And today, we are starting a three-week series that we have entitled Habits, Small Disciplines, Big Results. Small Disciplines, Big Results. How about the small discipline of brushing your teeth in the morning? How many of you know that small discipline can have big results? Right? Come on. That small discipline might help you get that job when you go into that job interview. Or it might, if you didn't brush your teeth, help you not get that job. Okay? So small disciplines, big results. A study came out a while back, and there was actually a guy that did a, an amazing speech on it. I dare you to Google it, uh, about what happens when people make their bed every day. If you could just get somebody to make their bed every day. It's a small discipline that will yield big results. And so, if you could help me tell my children uh, that this is really, really important in their life, that would be awesome. Small disciplines, big results. Tomorrow, we start 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to be talking a little bit more throughout uh, this message today about that. But today, I want to read from a book called Philippians. This book was written to a group of people in a city called Philippi, and it was written by an author named Paul. Some of you may know him as St. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul. Paul is writing this book. I just want to give you some background, some context. He's writing this book at a time where he had just been shipwrecked from an island, on an island called Malta uh, that's about 700 miles away from the city of Philippi, and he had gotten picked up by, by some Roman soldiers, and he had gotten taken to Rome, and he is actually in jail. I want you to just understand the picture of where Paul is. He is, sta- he is sitting in jail. He's got uh, his, his wrists are chafed because of the chains that he has around him. He's got black and blue, black and blue marks up and down his back. There is a Roman guard watching everything he does as he's in that jail cell, and he's there because he's being persecuted for his faith. And he's writing to a group of people in the city of Philippi who are walking through their own struggles. These people understand that their leader has been captured and and most likely will be killed. They understand that their life is in danger, that they could be jailed or even killed. They understand that there are false teachers in their ranks, and they don't know how to handle those false teachers. They also understand that there are two pillar members of their church that are, that are fighting against each other. And so there is disunity that is happening in this church. So understanding the background and the context of what Paul is going through and the background and the context of the people he is writing to The words that we're about to read really matter. Let's read these words of Paul that he's writing to this group of Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you about prayer and fasting, and I have subtitled this, Why You Need to Talk to God More. 
prayer and fasting, why you need to talk to God more. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray, God, that you would do something powerful as we venture into this 21 days of fasting and prayer. I pray over your word, Lord, that it would be a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, that, God, your word would make a difference and you would place, Lord, your presence and your anointing on me to be able to deliver the words that you want to deliver. I also, Lord, just ask for a favor. It's totally up to you. I understand you are in charge. But if the saints could win and the 49ers could lose, Lord, we'll give the glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many parents in the room? Raise your hands. You're a parent in the room. Lots of parents in the room. Some of you have grown children that are out of the house. Some of you have young children. Some of you have teenage children. I'm not going to deep dive into parenting tips here today. I don't really have a ton of parenting tips, but I I do have at least one parenting tip, and that is that I I think we could all agree, all of us parents in the room could agree that it is usually not okay to lie to your children. Could, Could we all come together? How many say, I think we can all agree on that? You know, that's kind of a universal theme, but here's the issue. The issue is there actually is a global universal rule where many of us, it might not be all of us, but many of us would agree there is a time when it is okay to lie to your kids. And that time is when your kids have the possibility of being injured, when something has happened, or there's a scary moment happening at your home or in your neighborhood. When you look at your child and you say things like, it's going to be okay, okay? Because you know in your heart that there have been circumstances where you're telling your child it's going to be okay, but in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't actually know if it's going to be okay. You know that there are times, you know, where something has happened, there's been an injury on a soccer field or something, and, and you, you know, you're picking your child up and... And saying things like, shake it off, son, it's going to be good, you know. And in the back of your mind, you're going, this might be the end of his playing career. I, I don't know. You know, there are times when we're telling our kids it's going to be okay when we don't know if it's going to be okay. This is like prevalent in movies, you know. And, and you know, you go to a movie, you go to a cinema, and I know many of you don't have time to go to the cinema because you're reading your Bibles and praying most of that time, and, and so you can't, you, you know, but a few of us, you know, that attend movies, um, we, you know, you go to a movie and, the, you know, there's aliens that, have, that are attacking the United States, and there's bombs going off, and it's the end of the world, and there's, you know, people are disappearing off the planet, and it, it, every time there's going to be a moment where the camera zooms in, and there's a parent and a child. And that parent looks at that child and says, honey, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. This is the universal lie that is okay. Hello? It is okay. You know, it's interesting that I look back at the last couple years, and I have told myself, and I'm sure you have told yourself, that we've had to repeat this to ourselves. how many of you have found yourself saying to yourself, it's going to be okay? Come on, raise your hand. Yep, 
daily, come on, weekly, monthly, yearly, pandemically. I mean, it's going to be okay. And I've said that because part of our role as Jesus followers, if you're a Jesus follower in here, is to believe in your heart that God is in charge and that it is going to be okay. But I have to tell you that I have had times in my my heart of hearts where I've said it's going to be okay, but I've wondered in my heart of hearts, is it really going to be okay? In fact, and I don't want to unnerve you by telling you this, I've had times where I've stood on this platform, in other platforms, in other settings, in other rooms, as a leader, and I have, with faith in my heart, looked at the room and said, God's got this. It's going to be okay, and I have walked off the stage, and I have said to myself, I hope it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be okay, but it doesn't feel sure. Hello? How many of you are honest enough in this church to say, we have all had moments where we wondered? Come on. We've all had moments where we wondered. Moments where fear and faith have a conversation. Do, do any of the rest of you have fear and faith conversations that battle each other in your mind? Like, like I picture them like the, the old school, you know, the, on the shoulder, and then, you know, the fear and faith, and they're, they're talking to each other, and, and, uh, and, and you're trying to figure out which one to listen to, and, and fear's pointing to facts, right? Fear's just pointing to, to the truth. Well, look, look what's happening, and, there, and there's another pandemic, and you know, and this guy's, this guy's name fears is Omicron, you know, and so Omicron is talking to, to faith here, and, and faith, and, and so you're going back and forth, and it might be in the middle of the night, might be in the middle of the daytime, it might be while you're driving, it might be at work, but this war is going on, on your shoulders, in your mind of fear and faith colliding. What will we lean towards? What will we believe? And here's what we have to understand. We have to understand that as we look at the last two years, we can all come to the realization that something is not right. Hello? Something is not right. This is not normal. This is not what we thought it would be. This is not who we thought we would be. I just have to tell you, my friends, I've had one of those weeks in my own life where fear and faith have been battling each other. We've got some circumstances happening in our house. People are sick and lots of stuff going on. We're trying to take care of multiple people. And, and I, meanwhile, I'm getting all the texts from the people in the church. And I hate pastor. I tested positive. Wanted to let you know. Thanks so much for letting me know. And uh, yeah, I, I tested positive. Pa- thanks so much for letting me know. Praying for you. Love you. Copy, paste. Yes, praying pray for you. Love you. You know, I tested, I tested pods. So I, I've had one of those weeks where fear and faith have been colliding. And, and here's why we are here today, and here's what I'm persuaded of in this room. I am persuaded, or at least you're interested in the idea that only God can take broken things, a broken world, a broken situation, and broken people only God can, th- can take things that are not right and make them right. Hello? And when we try to hype ourselves up by telling ourselves by positive talk, 
it's going to be okay. Sometimes that's just not enough for me. Hello? Let me tell you something. I need something more than just an improved mood. Hello? I got to have something more than just circumstances that seem to get a little bit better. Because the last two years, what's happened is circumstances have gotten a little bit better, but then it doesn't take too long for them to then get a little bit worse, right? I need, I need something more than an improved mood, more than improved circumstances. I need something more than good self-talk or even better thoughts in my mind. I need something that's going to do something in my soul, and that is I need peace. Everybody say peace. I need peace. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of peace that's a normal peace, that's an average peace, a run-of-the-mill peace, okay? So there, there's none of, all those pieces are good pieces. I like those pieces, but those pieces exist when everything is going well, when the circumstances are improving. That kind of peace exists when, you know, there's uh, fluffy pillows that I'm sitting on. And, and I, I, listen, I like a good fluffy pillow just as much as the rest of you do. Okay? I like a good movie with popcorn and butter dripping down into that popcorn. I like the kind of peace that that popcorn and that good movie gives me. Hello? I like the kind of peace where I can lay down at night and go, today was good, the circumstances improved. I like that average, run-of-the-mill, ordinary peace. But the problem with that kind of peace is that that peace passes when the understanding has passed. In other words, I watched the movie, I ate the fluffy uh, the fluffy pillow. No, I ate the fluffy popcorn. Sorry. I ate the fluffy popcorn and laid on the fluffy pillow and the butter was good and the saints won. But the problem is it doesn't take too long for that kind of peace to pass, right? I need a deeper kind of peace. I need a transcendent kind of peace, A transcendent kind of peace is what we are promised in this passage today, where when we get a hold of God, God gives us a transcendent kind of peace that goes beyond our marriage, uh, uh, having a child, uh, getting a raise in a job. It goes beyond any of that. It's a kind of peace that continues even when our understanding stops. And the book of Philippians talks about that. I'm telling you, look this way, y'all. I want a serious God peace in 2022. A peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that no matter what comes, no matter what I see on the news, no matter what I hear, no matter what happens in my personal life, I've got a peace that's like a rock that is steadfast, Because it didn't come from the earth. It didn't come from inside me. It came from a transcendent God giving it to me. Mm, That's what I need. So the passage starts out by saying, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Everybody say anything. (laughs) Yeah. Paul. 
Do not be anxious about anything. I'm telling you, the first time I read this, if I could have found Paul somewhere, I'd have punched him. Come on, Paul. What are you talking about? Don't be anxious about anything. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, Paul, have you, have you looked around at what's going on here? Do you, do you understand? That, that's a little overwhelming. Am I, am I right? That's a little daunting. Paul doesn't even leave any room. He doesn't say, you can have mild anxiety once in a while. He's like not even giving us any room here. He's like, hey, here's what I'm telling you. Be anxious about what? Nothing. To which we go, Paul, we love you. We know you wrote over half of the New Testament in the Bible, but exit the building, please. How do we do this? How in the world could we be anxious about nothing? How could we be anxious about but not about the little things, not about the big things, not about anything in between. Anxious not on Sundays. I'm never anxious on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. I am not anxious about anything. Why would Paul tell us to do that? How do we do that? Because we all have very levels of anxiety in the room, don't we? Come on, anxiety touches all of us. For some of you, anxiety is a daily thing. For some of you, anxiety, it's a weekly thing. For some of you, it's a monthly thing. For some of you, anxiety is a seasonal thing where it comes and it goes, but, but you know that it's, it's, it's gonna work its way back. And so anxiety comes at different forms for all of us. For some of you, anxiety is the giant in your lap right now. It is what you face on a daily basis. For some Anxiety is the reason that they aren't here this morning because they couldn't handle the thought of coming with all of these people and possible COVID and all of it. So the anxiety starts, the concern and the worry, and it goes and it builds. And, and it's the giant standing in front of them that, that Paul is saying, hey, basically, he's saying, hey, that anxiety stuff, stop it. So we go, how do you do that, Paul? Well, he helps us. Now, I want, to, I want to remind you, listen, some of you are like, it's easy for the Philippians. They had an easy life. They didn't have cell phones. There was no COVID-19, you know. They didn't have the Republicans and the Democrats fighting each other. And, you know, they didn't have all the injustice. And no, no, my friends, I promise you, they had their own contextual challenges, their own problems, their own odds, they had their own things. Many of them were facing the, at least the fear of death and persecution. And Paul tells them, don't be anxiety. Don't have anxiety. So what do we do? Well, look, look, let's, let's keep reading. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything but in, what's that next word? Everything. Okay, let me, do not be anxious about anything but in, do not be anxious about anything but in, do not be anxious about anything but in. I'm going to wait till I got everybody. Do not be anxious in anything but in. Good. I know some of you said just because you wanted me to move on. You were annoyed. It's okay. But in everything, by what? By what? Prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. So in other words, God doesn't tell you to do something that he's not going to enable you to do. So if God tells you, do not be anxious, 
Now he comes along and he gives you the solution for how you don't have to be anxious about anything because in everything you are going to pray. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. So when do you pray? All the time. Where should you pray? Everywhere. Is it a good time to pray in your bathroom? Yeah. Might scare your spouse, but it'd be good. How about in the car? Yeah. How about on the roller coaster last weekend at Disney World? Yeah, I prayed. Tower of Terror? I, I prayed during the Tower of Terror. There's a lot of... A lot of prayer going on, Tower of Terror. I didn't care if I scared anybody. I was, I was praying. Praying I made that, make it off that ride alive. I had anxiety. I was just following the passage. We pray everywhere, all the time, about everything. Everything, everywhere, all the time, anytime, God is calling us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer. Now, some of you might say, you might be here and go, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm a guest here. I'm a visitor here. I'm just, you know, seeing somebody invited me. I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. And I would, I would tell you, you probably need to be praying even more than we do. You know why? Because you need to be praying stuff like, God, if you're real, will you reveal yourself to me? God, I need you. I don't even know if you exist, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you and, and to reveal yourself to me. And let God be God, because I promise you, if you ask God, God, be real in my life, I'm not sure if I believe in you, I'm not sure if I believe in Jesus, you start praying those types of prayers, God's going to show up and become real to you. I promise. So all the time, anywhere, everywhere, for any reason, prayer. Now, this, this passage actually gives us three ways of talking to God, we're going to go over these three ways, and then I added a fourth uh, to it that we'll talk about a little bit. It, the, these ways are kind of hidden. They're words in these passages that we're going to pull out, um, and, and they're not the only ways, by the way. These are not the only ways to pray, but these are significant ways to pray. The first one, Philippians 4, 6, said, do not be anxious in, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So the first one is just prayer. Prayer. You can write this down. Prayer is just talking to God. It's, it's a generic word, even as I looked it up in the original language. It literally, what it boils down to is, when I pray, I talk to God. Here's the deal. Look this way. This is not about getting a certain tone when you pray. This is not about having to pray a certain religious way. This is not about, you know, that you have to, like, get your, get your groove on when you're praying this is not, you know, like, like you know, I was raised, and, you know, come on up. I, I, I came up through the church and, you know, thought that we always had to pray like this. And God was going to help us. Hallelujah. And Jesus, will you come down? Hallelujah. Oh, God. Shake the nations, God. Hallelujah. Devil, you better get back, Jack. I got a big Mac attack. His name is Jesus. You better get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Jesus is coming. Ha! 
There is a time and a place for that type of prayer. We're actually going to talk about that in just a second. But prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is just like driving down the road in your car. You're saying, God, I feel kind of tired today. I love you. I'm thankful that you're going to go into work with me today. Lord, you know i got to deal with this, this coworker that sits next to me. Not, not the easiest person. I need you to give me grace to treat her well and to love her well. And I pray you'd be with my family and, and help them today as, I'm, as we're away from each other. Lord, I, I just, I just want to talk to you. It's just talking. It's just talking like you would to a friend. Prayer is just talking to God. But then there's a second kind of prayer that's called supplication. Supplication. Supplication is intense, specific prayer. It's actually petitioning God. Okay? Intense, specific prayer. The, the word that we are given here in the original language, this, this word supplication, the word that we're given here, we're, we're actually given a picture of a Hebrew woman pleading for the life of her child. How many of you know if your child has the possibility of dying, you pray a little bit differently, don't you? There's some intensity to that prayer. So supplication is, God, I'm coming to you with certain things that I'm asking about, and Lord, this is not just your like average conversation prayer that you and I have on a regular basis. I'm coming to you, and God, I'm praying for the salvation of my son or daughter. I'm pleading with you, save my son, save my daughter. God, I'm pleading with you, would you bring a move of God to the city of New Orleans? Would you sweep across our city so we could see people saved, God, so we could open up new locations? God, would you do something that we can't even imagine in the supernatural, God? God, would you do something where people are lined up outside the doors of our church to get in because the presence of God is so powerful in this room and in our Bell Chase location and in the other locations that we start. God, would you do something so amazing that they're lined up because they want to give their lives to Christ? God, would you do something with our Kingdom Builders projects? God, would you multiply that money, God, to, to build churches and to help people all over the world? God, I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you, God. I'm petitioning you for those things. That's supplication. And let me just tell you, I know I had you all laughing about the, the, that stuff earlier. I want to tell you that not only is there a place for that kind of prayer, supplication, I want to tell you this is the way that I grew up learning how to pray. This is the way my spiritual father and my youth pastor taught me how to pray. And I'm just telling you, look this way, y'all. We need more of this, not less. We need more people that are supplicating. We need more that are willing to plead and petition with God over certain things to happen. We need more of this to happen. And, and one of the problems is we've labeled this type of prayer as old school. Listen, it ain't old school. It's really old school. You know why? Because it's in the Bible. So it's in the Bible. Maybe it's valid. Some of you have never, you've never prayed this way. You've never even learned to pray this, this way. Some of you, if you were in a room of people that prayed this way, 
your first few times, you might go, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to belong to this church anymore. It might scare you, but here's what I'm telling you. Some of you need to learn how to have supplication. You need to learn how to petition God. You need to learn to tarry, to use an older word, to say, God, I'm not leaving here until the something happens, God, with what I'm praying for. I promise you, listen, I want the younger believers in the room to follow the example of the older believers in the room who know how to petition, who know how to supplicate, who know how to get a hold of God. Listen, some of you that are older, I want you to grab the hands of those that are younger. I want you to, to, to bring them to this front of this room that we used to call an altar and say, let's pray together, let's petition God, let's supplicate until God does something in your life. Come on, is anybody else feeling this? We need more supplication. Then there's thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, giving thanks to the one who deserves it. Sometimes when you pray, you just thank God. That's all, you're just thanking God. Let me just tell you, it's always appropriate in any form to just say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Sometimes I just have prayer times where I just go, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my incredible wife. Thank you, God, for my kids. Thank you, God, for this church family, this community I have a chance to belong to. Thank you, God, that I live in the greatest city in the world with the best football team, God. God, thank you, God, that our food is better than anywhere else. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're faithful when I'm not faithful. Thank you that your, your character is so much better than I ever imagined or dreamed. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion. Listen, something happens when you're praying in gratitude to God because something builds up on the inside of you where you understand God is so good. He's so good. And there's one last one that I want to go through with you. It's called fasting. Now, fasting is not particularly in this passage, but it is all throughout the Bible. I want to talk about fasting for a second. Here's the definition. Fasting is voluntarily going without food or any other regularly enjoyed activity for the sake of seeking God in prayer. Voluntarily, that's em emphasis on voluntarily. Nobody's got a gun to anybody's head, okay? Voluntarily going without food or any other regularly enjoyed activity for the sake of seeking God in prayer. Or you could say it like this, giving up something good for someone better. Giving up something good for someone better. Can I just tell you something? Fasting is hard. And the older I get, the harder it gets. But fasting takes us to a different stratosphere in our relationship with God. When we decide, I'm going to voluntarily go without food, or for me, for our house, what we're getting ready to do is take, take the TVs out of our house and no screens for three weeks. Pray for me. But I'm going to tell you something. 
If you just don't eat, but you don't spend that time with God, that's not called fasting. That's called starving. If I just don't watch TV for three weeks, but I don't take the time that I would watch TV and spend that time with God, that's not called fasting. That's called depression. It is, I'm giving this up so I can spend time seeking God's face and being with God. In the Bible, when men and women fasted, when they sought God's face with broken and and a contrite heart, God would hear from heaven, and he would heal them. He moved on their behalf. Even nations were saved. Look, Look at this list. Jesus fasted before he began his public ministry. Nehemiah fasted to help him confess his sins to God and to turn away from them and to ask God for favor in the sight of the king of Persia to get permission to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. David fasted to ask God to intervene because of injustice. He he fasted to ask God for a miraculous healing, a request that God ended up granting. The early church fasted while worshiping and committing their ministry to the Lord. They also sought the Lord through fasting for guidance when they appointed leaders. Fasting and prayer can bring about a move of God, a revival, y'all, in our community, in our families, in our city, in our church. Fasting is not just about abstaining from food. It's about the pursuit of something greater. God doesn't take joy in our hunger. What he's wanting is for you to hunger for him. And when we fast, we tell God we hunger for him and spiritual sustenance more than food and physical sustenance. Wow. There are multiple ways to fast. Let me give you just a few. Number one, full fast. Liquids only. Okay? You can do this however many days you want to do it. Make sure if you have health issues or you, you know that there's something there that you talk to your doctor. Don't just go on a 40-day fast without meeting with your doctor first, saying, you know, what's healthy here? How could I pull this off? So that's a full fast. I have done a full fast. Number two, partial fast. This could be like something called a Daniel fast. My wife and I, our family have done this many times, where you just eat fruits and vegetables and nuts, legumes and whole grains, only water and natural fruit juices, no sugar, sweeteners, meat, egg, or dairy, And then there's a third kind of fast, where you just give up something. You give up something, okay? For us, we're giving up screens. That's what we're doing. And for you, it might be coffee. Some of you literally just want to leave the church because I just said that. Let me give you a secret. You should probably consider not the easiest thing to give up. You should probably consider the hardest thing to give up. Okay, I'll just take a step back. No tomatoes coming. So there are four ways to do this. You talk to God, just pray, just talking to Him. You can, you can supp- supplicate, which is intensely and specifically. You can start to say thanks and you can fast. We want you to be doing all of these in the next 21 days. And my prayer is, that, that 21 days would birth a prayer movement in our church that would go beyond 21 days. That's my prayer. As we close the passage, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
Let your request be made known to God. Now, can I tell you how weird of a passage that is? Because do you think that God already knows our request before we, we tell him our request? Yeah, that's biblical. Of course, God knows what we need of before we tell him that we have need of it. So why would Paul include that in the writing? Well, it's a play on words. Because Paul understands that as we make our request known to him, what happens is I make my request known to him, and now I know that my, my request has been made known to him. Now something happens in me where I understand I just partnered with the God of the universe by bringing my request to him, and that request and that act of requesting to him doesn't change him, it changes me. Hello? Because I understand I've now enacted the God of the universe to be a part of my request. Come on, somebody. And as we do that, we get peace. Everybody say peace. Now let's lean in as we close on what that peace means. Because getting peace from God doesn't go like this. God does not go out and create and wrap up and innovate and then say, okay, listen, we've been working hard up here and uh, we found some peace for you. Uh, Sent the angels on some errands. They went to a few different places and we located some peace. Here it is all wrapped up and here's your peace. No, God doesn't give peace. Let me help you understand this. God is peace. He doesn't have to go get it. He is it. It's literally who he is. The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. So what happens is when we pray, when when we're anxious about nothing, but but in everything, by prayer and supplication and giving thanks to God, we receive peace that that surpasses understanding. It's not just that we receive peace, it's that as we pray, we draw closer to God, and as we draw closer to God, we receive peace. It's not something that he's giving, it's something that he is. And so what we're receiving is not just an emotional peace, what we are receiving is him. And he emanates that peace. Y'all get it? Three kinds of peace that I want you to write down. Three kinds of peace that I want you to write down. Then we're done. First of all, there's a a sense of peace, okay? Or a sense of God. When you get peace, you get a sense of God, okay? A sense of God. So you're praying, and and you're getting closer to him, and all this is happening. You're you're doing supplication. You're you're fasting. You're whatever, whatever route that you're taking, and you're getting that peace, But what's happening is you're getting a sense as you pray that he is near, that he is close, that he's closer than a brother, that he loves you. Now, let me ask you a question. Is he any more near now when you're doing that than he was before you were doing that? No. No, he's always been near. But again, this isn't about him. It's about you understanding how near he is. And so when you pray... There's a peace that happens, and all of a sudden you sense God's close. God's got me. God's going to God's take care of this. I'm going to be okay. And then there's a second kind of peace, and that is a, a sense that God is guarding you. That word 
guard is actually in the passage. A sense that God is guarding you. Now, let me paint the context of this really quickly. The Philippians are actually being ruled over by Rome. So the people that he's writing this to would have really understood this word guard because when they walk out their front doors, there is a Roman guard that is standing outside of their door. Why? Because Rome is actually guarding anything that is under their domain. They want to make sure that anything under their domain has a guard and that there is no one else that is going to take over that land, that property, those people, that region. So they place guards there to make sure nobody else is going to take that. Here's what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is as you pray, there's a sense of peace that God is guarding you, that God guards what is his. He's guarding your heart. He's guarding your mind. He's guarding your spirit. He's guarding your emotions. And and even when you sleep, the Bible says he doesn't slumber. And so what's happening is as you pray, he's guarding those thoughts that want to come in, those thoughts of anxiety as you are praying He's got the guard that is guarding your mind and your spirit in your heart. Does that not give you hope? God's guarding you. One more. Not only is he guarding you, God is ruling. God is ruling. God is ruling. See, We forget that God is seated on the throne. Let me tell you, let me tell y'all something. You a good ruler when you know you ain't ever got to stand up. Why? Because that you, you only stand up if you feel a threat. You only stand up. If you feel like somebody is, is going to overtake you, like an enemy is going to overtake you, you stand up. But the, the posture of God is very imperative for us to understand. We have to understand that God is on his throne and he is ruling and reigning. We only have one look at Jesus standing up on the throne. It is when Stephen was being martyred. And, and that was not because God was scared or had any fear. That was God standing up out of love and care and concern for one of his children. And then God sits back down. And here's the, here's the look that I want you to understand. The, we're down here and we're scurrying and we're taking care of the errands and we're, we're in the minivan and we got this to do and we got that to do and we got soccer practice to get to and we're here in the news and man, we are running to and fro and the devil's down here, but the devil's a dog on a leash, y'all. Okay, the devil's a dog on a leash and we're running around everywhere, but there's a God in heaven. He's not got no errands. He didn't need a minivan. Because his work is already done. It's already been completed. It's over. He robbed death, hell, and the grave. And he's sitting on his throne, ruling and reigning. Boom, shakalaka. That's the God that we serve. The God that we serve is so unworried about the COVID-19 pandemic He ain't even standing up for it. He doesn't stand up for his enemies. 
Because he knows he is in full control. So when we pray, he gives us this peace. Peace that we get a sense that he's close. Peace that he is guarding my heart and my mind. And peace that he rules and that he reigns. That makes me want to pray in 2022. Now, it's contingent, y'all. You got to know this. It's, it's contingent. It's contingent. It's contingent. Some of you will walk out of here and go, yeah, baby, God rules, God reigns. Man, I'm, my mind is guarded. My heart is guarded. It's on like Donkey Kong. I'm, it's, good, it's good. I like this. It's contingent. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and you shall receive peace that surpasses understanding that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when we pray, all of that peace that I was just talking about that I'm ready for in 2022 is contingent on me praying and, and doing supplication and, and fasting and giving thanksgiving to God. And as I do that, I get all of those benefits of peace. How many think that might be worth it? Yep. The last part of the passage says, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. I like that because it's not in the news. It's not in the, the Republican Party. It's not in the Democrat Party. It's not in the Saints team. In who? Christ Jesus. If I'm in Christ Jesus, this is what I will do. The last thing I want to do is I just want to give you how to join in on our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is how I want you to, to get engaged. And I'm asking all of you, listen, you may not be able to do all of these things, but I'm asking all of you to do some of these things, okay? First way is you can pick up a prayer and a fasting guide at the Welcome Center or download it from the Saints Community Church barcode. Next, you can decide on what you and your family family's fasting plan will be, okay? So for my family, we're taking out the screens. I'm going to be fasting several meals. I'm, I'm probably going to do, be doing at least a couple days where I fast full, full food, okay? So you, you got to decide what are, what are you going to do, okay? Then attend encounter service on January 12th. That's this Wednesday, y'all. And, uh, and I'm just going to tell you, this Wednesday, we're going to spend even more time praying than worshiping. And we're going to spend more time supplicating. Everybody say supplicating. We're going to spend some time supplicating this Wednesday in this room. We're going to pray. And then we've got another prayer night on January the 30th that you can attend. Next, you can tune in on the Saints Community Church Facebook page at noon every day, but Fridays and Sundays for 10 minutes of prayer. So our elders and deacons and some of our leaders are actually going to be leading 10 minutes of prayer at noon on those days 
It's only going to be 10 minutes, but they'll have a specific direction that they're praying. You can tune in, pray right along with them. And then on Fridays uh, at noon prayer, we're actually going to have the whole thing that we're going to record. Christy's going to lead us in worship Fridays right here at noon. If you can't make it to the room, you can watch online with us. If possible, attend noon prayer on Fridays at the Metairie location. I would love, we usually have about 10 to 15 that join us here in this room. Man, what if we could have 30? What if we could have 50 people uh, for Friday noon prayer? You say, I can't come the whole time. If you could come 10 minutes, you could come 15 minutes and just, just make it a priority to be here during these next three weeks. Also, we are going to leave the sanctuary open to pray Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. any time. We'll have a little prayer guide for you there. You just walk in. The music will be playing, and uh, you'll just sign in so we know who was there, and, uh, and you'll just be able to pray for however long you pray. And then last, we're asking everybody on January 28th, it's right before we end, fast at least one meal, or if you feel like you can do it, to fast the entire day on January 28th. Come on, how many of you are excited about these steps that we're taking to, to pray, petition, make our requests known before God? And I just believe that the peace of God that surpasses understanding is going to come. And my prayer this morning as I was praying in my bedroom before the service, I said, God, would you just let these 21 days start a movement, Lord, where we just begin a movement of prayer at Saints Community Church? This year would be a movement of prayer. Come on, somebody. Let's do it. All right. I'm with you, and there's three others there with me as well. So it's good. Let me pray for you. I want you just to close your eyes and bow your heads in this room. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Wayne, what you are saying sounds like such a personal relationship with Jesus when you're talking to him and he's talking to you. And the truth is that I don't have that kind of a personal relationship with Jesus. All you have to do is just believe that he died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead for you and that he loves you and that he wants a relationship with you. This morning, you'd say, I want to begin that relationship or I need to re-up that relationship with God. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you just to lift up your hands. One, two, three. Just lift up your hands right now. I want that relationship with God. I want that relationship with God. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. I want that relationship with God. I want that relationship with God. Anybody else? I want that relationship with God. I want that relationship with God. Let's stand to our feet.